That's how you build rivalries, and that's how you build atmosphere. Edwards, three-pointer, it's good! This team is right there with anybody else in, in the country. They are clicking on a kind of a different level that we didn't um, that we didn't see this year. Perry for the lead. Oh! He did it again. This is this a personnel issue? Is I think I really think it's just a, a player fit. Like I I think and again is. this is this is partially his fault, right? These are his transfers yes. that he brought in, right? But I'm still saying I think this is just a whiff. I think this is just a whiff on you his part. You can't, you can't, it, you cannot whiff with this much talent. And I love Texas Tech. This is home. And I get to stay home. Hello, everybody. Welcome to another edition of the Texas 24 podcast on the Dave Campbell's Podcast Network. I'm Matthew Bruni, and joining me is a raspy Ishmael Johnson ish how are you holding up over there i'm doing the best i can uh you know it's, that, sounded, it's... that sounded so uninspired <laughs> listen listen when you go to thse coaching school obviously you know you're there socializing nonstop from like eight to five meeting everybody that comes to your booth and talking to coaches you haven't seen and all this stuff but then also after that you know you go out and you're out till however long and then you get up the next day and you do it all over again. So it's 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 a marathon. But I'm here. Uh, it, by the way, another plug to another one of our shows. Uh, Republic of Football is going to air today. We're going to drop it today at two. If you want to hear me host and not be <laughs> up for it, you can listen to that because we recorded the last day we were there, and we were all Craven. Craven's great. Craven doesn't drink or anything, so he's oh. like he's he was like spry, and me and Mallory yeah. just like we're we're just trying to make it through. <laughs> Just trying to survive at this point. Right, basically. Jesus. Um, yeah, to so check that out. Uh, for those who haven't already, we've done a full, what have we done, seven? Uh, we've had yeah. seven beat writers on from across the state to talk about the their teams. Um, UTEP, Bryce, uh, Baylor, Texas Tech, TCU, SMU, and A&M over the past like two months. So I think that's been great for us to have added insight onto those teams as we go into July and August. But ish, that means we haven't done like a regular off season podcast in a while. And yeah, yeah. Uh, there are some, some talking points here. Obviously there are still like most of the rosters are set, but um, me personally, I'm yeah. not going to go through and I last year I wrote out all the rosters. I'm not going to do that until like <laughs> it's actually basketball season. So right, we're right. Gonna keep it a little bit more general. Um, and talk both men's and women's. We'll talk about some preseason top 25 lists on the men's side. And then um, I have an interesting question here on uh, AM, Texas, and Baylor on the women's side that we'll get into. But um, as I was looking through preseason top 25 lists, um, obviously Houston is presumed to be the top team in Texas this coming right. year. Uh, I looked through three uh, preseason rankings. Jeff Goodman has Houston third, ESPN has them second, and CBS has them third. So pretty much unanimous top three team in the country at this point. My my question is simple. Do they feel like a top three team in the country? Because that's where I'm I'm I know how talented I am. I know they're getting Marcus Sasson, Shamal Mar Mark back. I know they're getting a top 10 player in, in the recruiting class and the number 37 player in the class. But dang, 
that is a big jump to be the top three team in the country. What, what do you think? Yeah, I mean, they do have some they do have some holes to fill, right? They do. I do have questions about the front court a little bit. Um, they don't seem to have that 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 big that undersized big that they have that kind of controls the glass and things like that they seem to need that to me this year um but wasn't this a team that we said was like a year away a year ago like like last year was a shock to us obviously because of marcus sasser leaving but even with marcus sasser heading into the year i thought they would again i thought this would be a team that you know maybe make a second round or something but it was definitely a team that needed to see what Tremont Mark and Jamal Shedd and these guys kind of had for the next year. And, you know, obviously Tremont Mark, we'll have to see what he looks like coming back from injury, but Jamal Shedd stepped up and became one of their best players towards the end of the year. Um, I have full confidence in them. I think you can't overlook somebody like uh, uh, Malik Wilson, that pickup either. Like, I think you, I think that's going to be somebody who's just going to add depth to them. Um, again, I do still have questions about the front court. I do worry about that genuinely. Um, but, as far as the backcourt getting Marcus Sasser back, like that's a huge, huge. I think that's what pushed them into the top three. Like, cause I think they were about like, in my opinion, I would have probably had them top 10 to five ish, but then you add the guy that was like, there was by far their best player before yeah. he went down back. And I think that that pushed them into that like con- national title contender category. Well, the whole thing is if you look at it two years ago, they played Houston style basketball, but they mm-hmm. had Quentin Grimes and they had, you know, that type of score that could elevate them at times when they couldn't score, right? And mm-hmm. so that's what we saw last year without Sasser was they didn't have that guy. And even without Tremont Mark as well, they didn't have that guy. As as much as I loved, you know, Jamal Shedd and Taze Moore and go down with Kyle Edwards, they weren't Marcus Sasser, right? Mm-hmm. And so that was the difference for me last year. So this year, you look at it and on paper, again, if we're comparing this team to the team two years ago, I think there's a lot of similarities. Sure. Um, the thing is, last year, and let me quickly go through the players that are, are left the team or graduated. Kyle Edwards, Fabian White, Josh Carlton, Taze Moore, Robbie, Robbie Armbruster. Those guys, especially Josh Carlton, was something that they didn't have in the year prior when it was just a 6'11", 7-footer standing there in the paint right the year before they were kind of undersized and that's what my concern is now are they going to go back to being that kind of gritty undersized team that obviously will rebound well and defend well but maybe have to do it a little bit more it it won't be as easy right as Mm -hmm. it was last year at times where i mean they were just dominated on the glass they were dominating on the glass without even trying it felt like two years ago it felt like they were having to put everything into every single possession to get every single rebound so That's that's what I'm interested in. Um, obviously, you get Sasser back, you get Mark back, and the scoring upside is just has gone up uh, significantly. So that that's from that aspect, I'm interested in. But um, yeah, that that's kind of my read on it. I, I don't know enough about like if you look at the other teams here, like Creighton, mm-hmm. like you look at Kansas and Kansas roster won't overwhelm you. Obviously, Baylor is the other team we know a lot about here, and when you compare Houston and Baylor. I don't know where I'm leaning. Baylor's obviously sure. reliant on a guy like Keontae George, who's going to be, you know, a lottery pick. Mm-hmm. He's going to have to come in and be great. And then a couple transfers like Jalen Bridges and Caleb, Caleb Lohner. Um, so I feel better about Houston than Baylor. So maybe I'm talking myself into Baylor or Houston as, as a top three team. I think so. I think like when you look at their returning lineup, like again, 
Jeff Goodman has them ranked third behind Gonzaga, who bring back Drew Timmy. You know, like they has them ranked behind North Carolina, who brings back most of their team. Right. Um, I wonder. That's I like that you brought up like the the guys they lost in particular, Fabian White and Josh Carlton, because like again, you mentioned it. Like that those guys made that offensive rebounding hectic style like look effortless, and so I think. I think guys like Reggie Chaney and Juwan Roberts could step up into that role, right? But it's not going to be the same. They're not, they're smaller, right? They're straight up smaller. Yeah. Um, and so I think that's where like somebody like a Jairus Walker comes in potentially, right? Like he's he's yes. about that tweener size. He's going to, I think he's going to be able to maybe give him a little bit more scoring, but I also wonder like, okay, can he give him some of that added? Is it going to be more by committee, right? Like they're going to have like three, four, five guys kind of in that front court as opposed to just relying on those two. And um, the the difference here for me for between Houston and Baylor, and obviously this will all be sorted out as we continue to get close to the season, but Houston feels less reliant on their top ten recruit than Baylor mm-hmm. does. Is that is that fair to say? Like Baylor look, feels like when you look at Keontae George, and obviously he's going to be a great player. Sure, we're like that guy needs to be a star for them. He has to be better than Kendall Brown was, than Jeremy Sohan was. He has to be like a guy who can score double digits every single game and fit into their system. Houston, Jairus uh, Walker, and even Terrence Archinoe, uh as their two big-time guys, it feels like they already have the culture. You, they already – I mean, not saying Baylor doesn't have the culture, but they already have the players right. that they know are going to fit into that culture. And then yeah, more or less. The recruits are just kind of guys you add into the mix. Here. And that's why I feel better about Houston at this point in the year in July on July 20th than I do um, Baylor. So sure. I, th- I, I agree. Like you look at, I think the X factor for Baylor is going to be crier, right? Like what he, does he come back being a 15 point per game score, right? Like, is he, can he take that next? Cause he took a step last year before he got hurt. And can he take another step? Because if that's the case, okay, then Keontae Ingram does, or Keontae George doesn't have to come in averaging 15, right? He can average maybe closer to 10 to 12 um, as far as his floor goes. I think he's capable yeah. of averaging 15 plus. But um, if Cryer steps up to be that number one option, you still have Flagler there. Like that creates less, less pressure for Keontae George. But I do agree, like, you know, and then I, we also, I, I can't forget about Jonathan Chamachacho, right? He, up, he upped his game to eight points per game last or year. If he can get closer to 10. Yeah. Remember what Tim Tim Watkins told us though is they're not sure Jonathan's gonna be ready for the year. That's true. That's the question. So if, if he comes back for maybe the second half of the year, then yeah. then I'm I'm excited. Yeah. But if you look at this team without Jonathan Chamochacho, which I think is a huge, huge obviously is a huge piece we saw last year, mm-hmm. you really just have Flagler and Cryer and then obviously Thamba, but I mean I'm not the biggest Thamba fan in terms right. of offensively, he's not the same. Yeah, offensively, he's very like defensively. He can do like seventy percent of what Jonathan Chamochacho. Offensively, that plumbs to like maybe forty percent of yeah. what he can get. Yeah, no, Jonathan was definitely the the best uh, big man there. Yeah. And so then you go into question marks around the board. I will say one other player for for Baylor's sake that I'm really really interested in was is Langston Love, who missed all of last mm-hmm. season. Was a really highly rated player, and he missed all last season with injury. So you're really getting Langston Love. Keontae George and all these transfers like that's really who you're, you're bringing in and so I mean Baylor as a top 10 team I think is a lock I think that's a great pick um mm-hmm. I was just in my head going into this podcast debating Baylor or Houston and I sure. think I come away with it feeling feeling good about Houston now that we've talked through it so now so now I, I gotta ask you the question because we always manage to do this 
are you drinking any of the Texas Kool-Aid right now? <laughs> because you look at, you know, uh, uh, looking at Goodman's, well, they're, you know, they're, they're 13th in Goodman for Goodman, 11th at ESPN, and uh, 12th for CBS. Timmy Allen, Marcus Carr back, Christian Bishop, Dylan DeSue, right, Brock Cunningham back. Um, they obviously lose a lot of their backcourt, except for Marcus Carr, but you bring in a Dylan Mitchell, you bring in an Ontario Morris, you bring in uh, Tyrese Hunter, you bring in uh, Jabari Rice, right? So, like, is this team, like, one, does this team fit Chris Beard more heading into year two? And two, are you looking at this saying, are they, the, you know, are they third in the state or should we maybe give more respect to TCU or something like that or tech, and yeah. you know? I don't think this team on paper fits Beard. And from what we know Beard to be at from Texas Tech, I don't think it fits that Chris Beard any more than last year's team does. Yeah. I, I don't. Even mm -hmm. though Tyrese Hunter may be more of a Beard player, you mm -hmm. know, than um, than Andrew Jones or Ramey maybe, like because he is kind of a, he's a good defender and is kind of a, one of those gritty guys at Iowa State. I'm personally not super – I wasn't super high on Tyrese Hunter at Iowa mm -hmm. State, even though he made like six threes against LSU in the tournament. <laughs> So right. I saw that, but still, other than that, it's like, he's going to have to prove it to me. Um, and then you get into the same situation with Baylor. I, I think Texas and Baylor are on a similar level here where they need their top 10 player to produce. You need Dylan Mitchell to be very, very, very good um, at the end of the day. And so the same thing with Arterio Morris, even to a degree, even though you have Marcus Carr. So with that being the case, it's, it's the, I think the questions that we had last year for Beard are, are still there. It's what is he going to do when you have these five-star guys and you have this elite talent and you have a clear system that relies on your defense and relies on you, you know, rebounding, doing dirty work, and then you grinding it out on offense. Is that something that you really enjoy? Marcus Carr, Carr came back. So maybe he did enjoy it. I don't know, but it's just, to me, I look at this team and it's still the same question mark. I will have the same question marks for Texas until Chris Beard proves me uh, uh proves otherwise and so that's that's where i'm at uh with text at this moment having them as a top 15 team it's kind of like one of those things i i compare it to football because obviously you look at the football rankings and it's just like all right these are the 15 teams with the most talent right, right. Yeah. or the 25 teams with the most talent and i think that's what basketball you know is to a degree too but like tennessee is right below them and i watched tennessee last year and they got you know some some dudes back here now again on paper texas should be better than tennessee but Tennessee last year was was damn good like so and they kind of just fit the system better so uh again yeah you have to prove it to me top 15 I don't have a huge problem with mm -hmm. but would you obviously like right now if if they finished the year as a top 15 team that probably means they finished you know second or third in the big 12 and had like an elite eight run or a sweet 16 run that'd be a great year and that would be probably ex over over achieving to my standards mm -hmm. of Texas. Yeah. I don't I don't know. I can't do it. Now now yet now I think comparing Texas to TCU is interesting. Who you have Texas or TCU? That is a great question. Um, yeah, I I think I have Texas right now. Um barely. I think TCU's I think TCU is closer than I think maybe people think or people presume um, because I think people are going to assume Texas takes another leap under Chris Beard, which fair enough. Okay. Yeah. Um, but I do think we saw something towards the end of the year with that TCU team that really clicked. And 
you look at a team that brings back everybody. You add somebody, an X factor like a PJ Haggerty at a high school who, you know, similarly, you know, we're talking about reliance on on freshmen. You know, they're not going to have to rely on him early, but they could if they could just have eight to eleven points off the bench from him, right? Like that's that's something, yeah. right? You can rest Mike Miles more. You can rest Damian Powell more. Um, and I think you still have guys like Micah Peavy who probably could step up a little bit more, right? Jacoby Coles, you can step up a little bit more. I Shahada like well, back from well, injury as well. Yeah, sure. Shahada, well, yeah, that's a good point too. Um, so I like I like TCU, and I think it's closer than I think. But I think one, you, I saw, I remember, I still remember how Marcus Carr ended the season, and I thought he was really starting to get more. I think Chris Beard was starting to get what he had in Marcus Carr. Right, he started to realize this guy's a gunner. This guy's a guy who should be looking to be the first option on offense if he can. Um, you bring back Timmy Allen. I think right now I still have Texas a fraction above TCU, but I think TCU. It, it would not shock me at all if TCU finishes the year above them. Dude, the, the Big Twelve is just going to be so fun. Um, it's going to be wild. Speaking man. of I, the Big yeah. Twelve, Texas Tech at twenty-four for Goodman. Uh, let's see, twenty-second uh, on ESPN and CBS does not have them ranked. Um, I, I they are a real. This is this team more than any team. I don't know what to make of them. They, they are like the biggest three, variance in the state. They return right like three players here. You know, it's a whole new team. Yeah, like Jalen Tyson. Yeah, Davion Harmon, who we are not sold on. I'm not sold on. I'll speak for right. Fardaz Amik, or however you say his name, Amik, or whatever it is from Utah Valley. It's like, okay, all this could work in theory. Right. And I have a lot of trust in Mark Adams at the moment. But, like, who's going to be their best player? I don't yeah. know the answer to that. No, is that's it, fair. I, I don't think any – like, I think if anybody okay. tries to say they do, I think they're lying. Like, I, I really do. Like, you could look at it on paper and say, oh, Banner, right? But, like, I don't know if that – if O'Banner being your best player or if it's like a – like a 1A, 1B thing, if he's like your, you know, 1A, 1A, 1B player, maybe that works. But I don't see that Bryson Williams player, right? I don't see that guy that you're just like, oh, he's the guy you're going to lean on. I think it's very much going to be a by committee effort. Now, Fardaz Amit could come in and be like, he, you know, he dominated uh, uh, the WAC or Utah Valley. Yeah. So like he could come in and be that Bryson Williams type where he's clearly above the level he's playing at right now and goes to a next level when he plays at Tech. But I don't want to bet on that, right? Bryson Williams happened to be like a, just a, a, a gem in terms of like somebody who was clearly above where he was at. Yeah. I don't know if that's the same with this uh, Fardaz guy. Yeah, yeah. Um... I, I just worry that without having a lead dog, which I think Texas Tech, in a lot of situations, Texas Tech, whether it's, you know, uh, Jemias Ramsey or you go back even further, Bryson Williams last year, it feels like they always have a guy mm -hmm. that you can turn to for the most part. And then you have the defense. And that's kind of similar to what I mentioned with Houston, right? With all these teams that are such a defensive identity, I think North Texas is another example. You have this defensive identity. You need a guy who can just get, get his own, just one. Just one guy that can get his own. And I think that's where Texas Tech, I'm not saying Bryce, Bryce Williams, Bryson Williams was was perfect in that regard mm -hmm. last year, but he averaged 14 a game. He got better as in conference. Like he dominated some games uh for sure. So with that being the case, I'm just like, all right, they have to be a top five defense again. And you just have to hope Fardaws or 
uh, Jalen Tyson or one of these guys emerges as as a as a reliable scorer because on paper I you lose like let's just talk about the points per game they lost yeah. fourteen points from Bryson ten from Terrence Shannon ten from McCuller nine point four from Davion Warren eight point six from Adonis Arms uh, five from Marcus Santos Silva like go down the list here this is a lot to replace mm-hmm. for a top twenty five team yeah I think this year we're gonna see like we're really going to see what the Mark Adams system is, right? Like last year was, I don't want to say it was easy last year, but like it was easier. They had experience coming back, right? They were a lot of older guys. Even the new guys that they added were experienced like Bryson Williams. This year, there's a, it's a lot of unproven talent. I, th- I still think they're, you know, Davian Harmon and Fardot, they're experienced guys, but like it's a yeah. lot of talent that on paper doesn't really fit together. And they did, they haven't played with each other either. So like, this year, really, I believe in Mark Adams. So I think they'll still finish fine. Um, I still think they'll probably finish ranked, and they, you know, I, but I don't think we'll see anything like last year. I think it might be if they make a Sweet Sixteen. I think they did a hell of a job. Let's yes. put it that way. Yes, for sure. Um, the only other team that I saw was uh, CBS ranked Texas A&M eighteenth. Uh, they were ranked by Goodman or ESPN. Hmm. And while I think Texas A&M is, is going to be good, I wouldn't put them in a top twenty-five. No, no, yeah, I think they'll they'll be better. Um, but yeah, that's right now. No, it's a lot of unproven, um, unproven talent. Yeah, I mean, I'm just looking at top twenty five. Like Illinois is twenty, and they have you know, Terrence Shannon and all the Matthew Meyer and all right. these guys coming in, and so I'm like, that's that feels about right. Um, yeah. all right, I think th- uh, we covered. Yeah, that's all I had with the on the men's side. Let's jump to the women's side real quick. I have written down most improved team candidates. Like, which one are we picking here? So, I think A and M is an obvious one, if nothing else, just from a from coaching and uh, you know attitude change. Mm-hmm. And then UTSA with Karen Aspen, I think that's going to be an interesting one. And then I don't know, you could you could throw UTEP in there. You could throw like maybe north texas or rice you know one of these conference usa schools that wasn't great last year right. maybe throw them in here. but i think a&m and utc are probably the significant favorites in this regard uh when i, I went I, through and looked at it yesterday i um, think it's, I'm missing I think it's smaller schools. maybe yeah. i missed the southland school but i think that's that's probably it I, I think it's utsa i think you look at what the the little signs of last year right the fact that they were you were able to identify a play style. You were able to see improve, improvement from the year before, and then you go in and you add the additions that they did to a team that, again to a team that wasn't bad, right? Their record wasn't great, but compared to the previous year, like they were absolute world beaters by comparison. <laughs> yeah. um, and so you go and add. Um, why am I forgetting your name now? Um, Jordan Jenkins from USC. I think this is a team that could be a sleeper contender in the West. Like I really do. Like the, it, as we saw last year, the teams that we thought would com- be the contenders weren't there. Yeah. And so I think it's more open than we maybe this year in particular, I think is more open than it's been in years past. I think of course, last year we thought UTEP would be there. We kind of um, uh, UNT kind of course corrected towards the end of the year, but like, we kind of thought those two would be, be more or less the runaways. And I still think there's something something left to be taken. Let's put it that way. Um, also add Kara White from USC. So, I mean, those are the two when we talked about that on that podcast a few weeks, like 
on a couple months ago, we were like, oh, okay. did Karen Aston just win the offseason? Like, did she right. get our, our award for, for best offseason of, of the – and I think that's probably the case. I mean, even beyond those two, you know, she bring, brings in a couple junior college players here that maybe can, can help. But freshman-wise um, – Brings in a player from Duncanville, players from uh, Brandeis, uh, which is in San Antonio, which is a mm-hmm. very good uh, basketball school. I mean, I was about to say, yeah, Alexis, Alexis Parker, she's fantastic. She was fantastic for Brandeis last year. Yeah. So, I mean, this is the, like you said, the conference you say is not easy to predict when it comes to women's basketball, and so right. um, there, there's no reason why you UTSA couldn't be close to 500 this year if everything breaks right, which would be a massive massive improvement i I would be like that's coach of the year damn near if she if she pushes them to like 500 from you know zero wins to two wins to 500 like that's just incredible yeah let me i'm trying to figure out let me see their conference rankings and in terms of like stats so like they were the number one offensive rebounding team in conference usa they were the number one rebounding team period in conference usa last year and they were number four in steals, number four in blocks, and yeah. number four. So the thing that was interesting to me, so they were number two. In, so they were they were tenth out of fourteen in two pointers made, but they were fourth in two point shots. Mm-hmm. So I think like I think that eventually is gonna when you add somebody when you add some of these scores. Yeah, you just need scores. You're gonna get you know what what that shows to me is they were clearly getting looks yeah. right, and I think that she's. Again, they've they've established an identity, right? They're a rebounding team. They can get inside. They're not a shooting team, right? I think they were like last or something in like three point attempts or whatever. But they clearly have a style of play, and you now you're fitting players around that. And so I think that's a recipe for somebody who, a team that could absolutely get at least two five hundred. I really do think that they're going to be around that about that uh, uh, range this year. Yeah, no, especially with the uncertainty at like UTEP and North Texas. And- sure um go around go around the conference now AM and I think this kind of transitions to my 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 our last topic here but AM with Joni Taylor I think is they're gonna the expectation mm-hmm. is to get back to where you were like pretty quickly I don't even think there's like not saying that she would ever be on like the Hazi after one year but I don't think there's right. like a grace period of like oh you know this is your first year like I legitimately think the expectation from AM across the board is to be back in the top five of the sec mm-hmm. like year one does that does that feel right especially when you look at and again this transitions well especially when you look at the recruiting class right when you bring in a janiya barker um who's the number three player in the country and two other top 100 players even though you do lose those seniors from last year's team and it's a whole new you know roster culture all this stuff i just think you you, you there there's too much of a tradition there's too much talent i think on this roster to not be a top five six team in the, in the conference yeah. i think when you look at last year for AM, I think you saw a team that was clearly checked out's the wrong word but they knew i was, was about good. to say checked out it, it, it's it's so hard to say checked out but like it's hard not to look at how their season went right you start off as hot as you did non-conference and then you just fall off a cliff when you get to like when you won the SEC was tough as hell last year, obviously, yeah. probably the toughest it's been in a long time. And and then you just get you just keep losing. And then it's just like, all right, well, 
Gary Blair is not coming back. We don't know who our head coach is. We're obviously the seat. This conference season is not going to get us in the tournament. So like it just, I see a team that is, that has talent. I genuinely like not even including the newcomers, right? Like I had last year had talent was a good team that I think just circumstance just, I think broke them because you don't beat SFA. You don't beat yeah. a pit, a South Dakota, right? South Dakota obviously ended up upsetting uh, um, um, somebody in the, or Baylor in the tournament. Yeah. Um, and so like, I don't think you, and Little Rock, Little Rock is a good non-conference school as well. Um, I don't think you beat those teams and just be a bad team. Like I, I really, I really think that you start off what they go like one in three to start conference. And then they just, I think it just like, I think they just hit a down slope and just yeah. after that was just like, what are we, what are you playing for? And so, um, you know, you get doubled up by South Carolina <laughs> in March or whatever. Well, and I, I think that was the last game too, wasn't it? Something. Let me see. Uh, it was their like yeah oh yeah it was their like god it was their last home game yeah yeah it was it was the the Blair farewell and Aaliyah Boston just went in there and they're just like <laughs> Don Staley's over. like yo I got I got a goodbye for you right here yeah <laughs> um, you know. but no I I think that they're I think it's realistic to expect them to bounce back a little bit right they only as as bad as we ripped them last year they only went fourteen and fifteen right they didn't go they didn't have single digit wins it was like there was there's something to work with there so. I would hope that they would get back to that 20 win mark. I don't know. Um, but again, the SEC is not getting easier. So like, <laughs> no, um, when you look at the recruiting and this is the last topic I have here, mm-hmm. when you look at recruiting, I just have the top 100 players pulled up by ESPN. Um, obviously A&M, like I said, has three of the top 100. Texas has three of the top 100. Baylor has three of the top 100. And uh, Texas Tech, throwing them in there. They have the number 54 player in the country. Yeah. So shout out to Texas Tech. But when you look at the first three, it's an interesting situation because Schaefer is going into year three, right? Collins mm-hmm. going into year two. And then uh, Taylor's going into year one. So we have the three biggest women's basketball programs in Texas, all with relatively new coaches. Like there's no more Kim Mulkey. There's no more Gary Blair. Right. Texas doesn't have that, but still there's just, it's a whole new life. Um, I feel like going into this year where it's like, this is where you start to lock down the state of Texas. This is where you start to emerge as what Baylor used to be and what A&M used to be, where it was just like, okay, Baylor and m they're the two best teams in the country and they're going to be top five, top 10 teams every single year. Mm. These three teams have a lot of question marks though. They still have to prove it to us because they haven't done it yet. And I just think that's such a fascinating point here to where like A&M coaching change all coming off of an awful year. Baylor was good, but overall disappointing, you know, lost in the second round of the tournament. Texas was good, made the elite eight, you know, no problems there, but they they have some turnover now and you have to rely on you know Roy Harmon you have to build that foundation and he's a year ahead of those other two two uh, coaches mm-hmm. so where do we start when in your mind when we start assessing these three coaches i'm not saying to rank them or anything but how do you like look at them when in turn when they have to follow up like a mulkey and a blair and and so on and so forth yeah i think I think that one, I think Schaefer hitting the ground running in year one is a bigger, you know, uh, uh, benefit for him yeah. compared to somebody like a Nikki Collin who was up and down overall fine, but, you know, uh, still had some issues. I think what's what it's really going to come down to is who 
the style of play. Like, who do you want to play? Like, there, you couldn't get more opposite when you come to Nikki Collin and Vic Schaefer, right? Like, I don't think a Nikki Collin could have pulled a Rory Harmon because, like, I think Vic Schaefer can sell her on being, oh, yeah, you don't have to score 15 points a game for us. Like, you can have 10, have six, seven assists, and then just play defense because that's, we'll be, that's, we, that's what we do. But then you're going to have some players who, like, well, I don't want to, you know, I don't want to play defense for, like, you know, that hard I for, like, shoot threes. Oh. I was about to say, I want to shoot threes. And so you can choose Nikki Collin. And so I think I am very fascinated to see how that kind of – because I think overall you you're not you're not dealing with a bad coach either way, um, but you're dealing with just like preference. And this is when the modern style. I think this is where Baylor kind of gambled a little bit, where you go from Kim Mulkey and her style and pedigree versus somebody like Nikki Collin, um, who who's more of a, a, a modern game coach. And so I think that's where we're going to start to see the separation a bit, where it's like, and I think. I don't know if we're going to see anybody quote unquote dominate the state either because of that. I think you're going to see Texas get the players they want and Baylor probably get the players they want. And then the, the, the X factor is going to be what Joni Taylor does with a with and M or does A&M with Joni Taylor say we're, we're pulling girls from Georgia. Like we don't really need to recruit Texas that hard, you know, compared mm-hmm. to the others. Um, so I, I don't know. I don't think we'll see like a Kim Mulkey style domination as far as recruiting goes. I think we'll see, very open and balanced recruiting because you're going to get players just choosing. Yeah. I want to shoot threes or yeah, I want to play. I want to be prepare myself for the WNBA. Right. Yeah. Um, and go to Nikki Collin or somebody like, yeah, I don't care. I'll just want to win. And I just want to, I don't need, I don't need to be pretty. I just, you know, um, I'll score 40 points a game as a team and we'll, you know, go to the elite yeah. eight with Vic Schaefer. So, um, no, you bring up a great point in how different they all are stylistically as right. coaches, personalities. Like, and this might sound weird to say because of the the how much we talked about Nikki Collin last year and how down I was on her and what she was doing, but I actually feel really, really good about what she is capable of here. You think mm-hmm. about it, they had like seven or eight scholarship players last year. Like the situation was very, very bleak in a lot of circumstances. And I just think when you're in that situation, you're gonna lose a random game to Kansas on a on a Tuesday night, right? Like th- it just happens where you're not deep enough and you're rely- too reliant on these players that don't fit your system in a lot of ways. Now, it, give her, you know, twelve scholarship players. Mm-hmm. Give her another year uh, with her system. Obviously, you lose Melissa Smith, Quinn Egbo, and so on and so forth. So it won't be easy. I'm not I like I think I look at I look at uh Nikki Collins first year in a similar way I look at Kim Mulkey's here where it was just like you inherited this team that doesn't exactly fit your system and so year two might not be as as uh, productive maybe win wise but mm-hmm. it's a step in the direction that you're going to take here so I actually feel as we like talk about it I talk myself more and more into Nikki Collins actually figuring it out now the question is obviously can you win with a WNBA style um, in college basketball and women's college basketball significantly. Cause I mean, you watch Stanford, you watch UConn, you watch all these great teams. Yeah. They shoot threes, but also they are um, versatile and just, you know, can do everything basically. So sure. I'm that, I, that's my Nikki college spiel. I, I actually feel pretty good at this moment about where Baylor's at. I do too. I think, I think a lot of our concerns were just the roster makeup last year and like the lack of numbers. So, you know, we'll, we'll see. We'll, we'll really see. Cause it's starting to, 
there's no more like, oh, this is a Kim Mulkey player, not a Nikki yeah. Collin player. Like this very much her team and getting like her style of player in. And Joni Taylor, I mean, I while I did watch Georgia games last year, it was, you know, obviously we weren't I wasn't as locked in on watching them and their style and stuff like that. Like um they ended up making a 60 in the tournament, which they were very good, but I, I we have to see we gotta see what what she can do there. And um I mean there's there's no reason I mean we both think it's a home run hire pretty right. much. So yeah. all three of these teams have made significant hires, like high, high level hires, and that's what you expect from these three teams, three, these three programs. So yeah, it's gonna be interesting to see how that plays out. Um that's all we got for y'all today. Well, I got like, one more, I got one more that we don't have to we don't have to spend too much time on bring this, it on but, me go ahead um texas state brought back all five seniors from last year's team i don't know how uh i was hoping to catch up with coach z at, at coaching school she didn't she wasn't there but i want to know how that happened because <laughs> like you don't see everybody bring back like when you when it comes to these kind of things you always see like you know oh marcus Carr is back or somebody like yeah. that you don't see Kennedy Taylor, Ja'Kayla Bowie, Denasia Hood, Tierry Eaton, Jada Reed all back. Again, last year was pretty disappointing by kind of what we expected from them. Is is that was that the reason why they decided to come back? Right? Maybe I don't know. Um, but once again, I think the Sun Belt West with UTA obviously not going away. I think it's interesting now if they can maybe if they can if if that 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 group of team that group of seniors for Texas State can kind of make up for last year and kind of uh go back at uta and kind of challenge them for that west title this has to be one of the oldest teams in the country i'm looking I, at it right now i think it, they're all super seniors they are all super it is wild <laughs> like grad, you, look at, you look at the rot so look at the roster you I'm know they have it. like they have like sophomore and they're all like gr Graduate. Grad like, student, junior, sophomore, grad student, senior, grad student, redshirt senior, grad student, junior, grad student, uh, um, freshman, sophomore, grad student. That is. That's the old. I think that is the oldest ludicrous. team in the country. <laughs> that is ludicrous. Oh my gosh. There's so Thank that's you. such an old team. <laughs> Thank you for pointing this out, and not for nothing. Like it was disappointing. I think. To a degree, I think because some of the non-conference losses, didn't they have like a four-game losing streak in the non-conference, something like right, that? Right, yeah. They ended up fifteen and fourteen overall, but they went nine and six in conference. Yeah, and so if you can just obviously like if it's an eighteen-game uh, schedule, if you go twelve and six, like if, if we expect expect like a three-win improvement, twelve mm-hmm. and six will get you a top two. Like that's one of the best teams in the conference at that point. So that's where I think we'll we'll get into you know, the team previews like we did last year more right. so on every team. But, like, if that's the level, if you can get – you return all these players, if you just win three more games in conference, like, that's a huge, huge difference. So, yeah, um, that's – thank you for bringing this to my attention. Now I now have a new favorite team in uh, women's college basketball, and it is the oldest team I've ever seen in my life. So. <laughs> we need the average ages. Like I, think- I was about to say, we need, like, there's got to be a, some website out there that does, like, an average age because – this is no, they're going to have a starting lineup that's legitimately probably nothing but grad students. Uh, 20, 23 years old. <laughs> like 22 to, I gotta, I'll have to look at their grad assistants because I want to see, like, are these players older than their grad assistants? Honestly, they, they might be. Like, I always consider anybody who's close to me in age at this point in college just as like an ancient person. And they're, I, I'm 24 
And these, these, these girls might be close. They're, they're getting close. Oh, my God. Okay. No, yeah. Thank you for bringing that up. Uh, <laughs> but, yeah, that's all we got for y'all today. We'll probably um, probably have a guest on next week. Uh, or I'll look into that. Uh, Chris Beard has not been returning my emails-ish. So he's leaving me on red. What the hell? We'll see. We'll see what we can do. But uh, yeah, we'll see. We'll look into that. And then in sometime, and I, I, I wrote out a whole schedule and stuff sometime in like August or so we'll start the, the previews for every team, like how we did last year. So stay tuned for that. We appreciate y'all for joining us. Uh, subscribe on YouTube, leave five star rating and review wherever you're listening to us. Uh, thank you all for joining us. We'll talk to y'all later.